Chapter Six of the Sorrows of a Showgirl, a story of the Great White Way, by Kenneth McGaffey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which Sabrina chronicles some more of the adventures that happened to her while visiting her parents, and details how she stood the town on edge, was ejected therefrom, and the remarks she made on the subject. They say a rolling stone gathers no moss, but it's a cinch that this pebble could have gathered a bunch of lemons since she's fallen into her inheritance, if she had but listened to their plaintive plea, remarked Sabrina the showgirl, after we had seated ourselves at the table. Has someone been seeking your hand in marriage? she was asked. Honest, there are more dubs around this town who had rather get married than work than there are actors on Broadway now. I have had three proposals since I have been back one of marriage. I told them all no. That I preferred to live a la carte. I could have become a farmer's bride in Emporia if I had but said the word. I didn't tell you how I came to sneak that snare, did I? You know I went out there with the intention of staying a month, surging around and showing the village bells that May Manton wasn't the only authority on correct dress. Ten days was my limit. The family and everyone agreed that my metropolitan broad-mindedness was too much of a strain on the sense of morality of the peasantry, as it were. No, nothing of the slightest consequence, nothing that would have caused the inhabitants of Broadway to even arch their eyebrows. All I did was to inhale a snootful, and go out with a friend, and stand the thriving little village of Emporia up on end, and tip it over. Tis a strange tale list, and I will unfold it to you. One day I was wafting slowly and sedately down to the Boston store for my mail, when lo and behold, what did I see out in front of the Palace Hotel? But an automobile. Believe me when I tell you, it was the first time I had looked a radiator in the face for a week. Two young fellows were monkeying around the machine, and as they were nice-looking chaps, I gave them the furtive glance, and one of them stopped, and asked me if he hadn't been introduced to me in the Harlem Casino. At any other time I would have taken his remark as a deep insult inferring as it did that i was so far from forty-second street but now i could have fell on his neck and cried with joy i told him that i had never met him in the place he had mentioned but to let it go at that and if he even knew where harlem was it was introduction enough come to find out they were making a trip across the continent and had stopped there to get a little gasoline for the machine we talked things over and i found out that they knew several people i did and anyway they were from new york and that helped a heap they were going to leave that afternoon, but I prevailed upon them to stay over until the next day. I was invited into the hotel for dinner, and we opened the first bottle of champagne wine, as they say out west, that had been opened in Emporia since the governor went through. In truth, the bottle was covered with specks, and the label had faded so you could hardly read it. But when the cork went whop, three traveling men at the next table burst into tears. After we had consumed all the champagne wine they had in the snare, I tipped them off to a speakeasy, and we decided to ride down there in the machine, and then go for a little tour, as it were. By this time it had been noised through the city that someone had taken the bottle out of the show window, and a large crowd had assembled to see the plutocrats come forth. We capered blithely out to the machine, climbed in and hiked for the blind tiger. After the usual red tape, the captain sold us about two quarts of jig-juice, the kind that makes a jackrabbit spit in a bulldog's eye. Anon, we again went for a ride and I'm here to state that the way we breezed through that village made the proverbial Kansas cyclone look as if it was running on crutches. The inhabitants that didn't duck for the cellars stood on the plank walk and made rude and discomplimentary remarks. Some well-meaning rube had tipped his mitt to the town marshal, 
and that worthy cluck had stretched a rope from the blacksmith shop to the corner of the livery stable, so naturally we had to pause. Enter Marshal R.U.E., with business of making a pinch. After filing the usual protests, we were hailed before the magistrate. Here's a copy of the testimony. Marshal. Judge, Your Honor, these prisoners are charged with defacing landmarks, violating the pure food law, exceeding the speed limit, and disorderly conduct. Judge, Your Honor, these miscreants defaced our landmarks by drinking the only bottle of champagne wine that has ever been in our village, the bottle that for so long has graced the window of our leading hotel, and was looked on with pride and reverence by the townspeople, a bottle that had been cherished for generations, until these monsters came with their ill-gotten gold and purchased same. They violated the pure food law by drinking said bottle of champagne, which has been proven by the State Board of Examiners to contain 18% alcohol. The aforesaid prisoners exceeded the speed limit by rushing through our quiet streets at a terrific pace to the danger of the lives and limbs of our wives and children. The prisoners at the bar are charged with disorderly conduct by the following facts. They emptied said bottle of champagne, which was reputed to hold one quart. That bottle of said wine was emptied completely, which is proven by your marshal, who, after the orgy in our leading hotel, did approach a waiter of said hotel, and ask for a taste of said wine. But upon investigation, the bottle was found to be entirely empty. The aforesaid bottle contained one whole quart of an intoxicating beverage, and was distributed among three people. Therefore, judge your honor, the prisoners must have been intoxicated, and therefore disorderly. Your Honor, the prosecution rests its case. Judge. Prisoners, step to the bar. You are charged with, etc., ad lib. What have you to say before sentence is passed upon you? Prisoners. Not a blamed word. Judge. I find the prisoners guilty, and sentence them to pay a fine of fifty dollars, or ten days in the city prison. Prisoners. Gee, you must be going to build a new courthouse. Judge. Five dollars for kidding the court. I knew those fellows couldn't stand the strain of the fifty-five dollar fine. So, turning my back in maidenly modesty to the court, I dug down in the Lyle Thread Bank and came up with a hundred-dollar bill, the first one ever seen in Emporia. I tossed it carelessly on the desk, remarking, Take it out of that. You could have knocked the court's eyes off with a club. I don't think he ever saw that much money in one group before in his life. The clerk of the court grabbed the fresh air fund, and did a rubber into the family safe for the change. All quiet along the Potomac. The whole blooming city didn't have change for a century note. Can you beat that? And they say there's no graft in Kansas. They had to go over to the speakeasy for a change. What do you know about that? A court of a prohibition state going to a gin mill for money. After we got through telling the court what he reminded us of, and what he looked like, we tripped out to the machine and climbed on board and started out again. We rode around until three or four o'clock in the morning, and I got to bed just as the help was getting out to do the chores. Maybe you don't think that evening's amusement caused some scandal. Why, before breakfast, the entire population was wise to the fact that Sabrina, the pride and glory of the village, was out drinking liquor and playing progressive hell with a couple of strange gentlemen. If you want anything known in one of those Wattbergs, just tell it to the butcher. It's got a town crier or a litho three-sheet faded. Mother had the info on the whole game before she got the curl papers out of her hair. A couple of the ladies' auxiliary to the Herbert Kiljoy Memorial did picket duty out in front of the house all night, so as to be first in with the glad tidings. 
they galloped up like Sheridan twenty miles away. The Kiljoy sisters beat it, and I was just assuring mother that getting pinched was considered very distongy by the upper crust of the eastern metropolis, when in pranced the village selectmen, followed by the deacons of the church. When they came into view, I knew the bell had rung on Sabrina the souse. They all came in looking like the first act of a funeral, and Homer Jenkins, the head deconerin, looked real solemn and said, We regret to inform you that we have found it our painful duty to dismiss your daughter from the church. I spoke up real gay-like and said, Go as far as you like. I never was a commuter anyway. The selectmen were at the bat next, and the main guy of that informed father that I would have to be put under bond to keep the peace, as my actions of yesterday in the drinking the champagne wine had caused nine of the village near sports to get stewed on Rhine wine and seltzer, and to please let them have the money now, as they had to pay the mayor's salary to-morrow. Then I delivered my Philippic as follows. If you spangled-eyed dubs think you are going to shake me down for any more change, you had better drop in your penny and get next to yourselves. Nix, not. I've already coughed up more than the rest of the entire population, and you are not going to lance me for any more, just because I've got a bundle. You're good people. You've got big feet, and I would like to see you run fast. Now beat it. I'm going to blow the burg on the next caboose, and while I don't wish you any bad luck, I hope the town hall burns down. Now take it on the run, or I will give you all a good scolding and send you to bed. And the funny thing about it is, they slid. I tell the folks that my light is hid under a bushel in Emporia, grab the bus, and here I am, and nothing short of an explosion will make me leave. Put this on your call board. The only good thing about these hick hamlets is they remind you of New York, because they are so different. So long. Don't fall down the elevator shaft. End of chapter 6